0: Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services partner for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools, and data that help power their emerging market business strategies. The focus of today's podcast is our latest research on Nigeria. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group, and I'll be moderating today's podcast. I'm joined via our London office by Anna Rosenberg, FSG's practice leader for Sub-Saharan Africa. As a reminder, this podcast and all of FSG's content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. Anna, welcome and thanks for joining me for this discussion.
1: Hi, Rich. It's a pleasure to talk to you today.
0: I think this is a timely conversation because Nigeria is just on the brink of a new government transition into power. And before we talk about those dynamics in a bit more detail, I wanted you to maybe give us the quick headlines from this report.
1: Sure. So the report puts Nigeria into regional context. It allows our clients to understand how the country fits into the wider sub-Saharan Africa opportunity. It gives an understanding of the macroeconomic environment in the short and the long term as clients are wondering where Nigeria is heading given the recent oil price crash, the country's dependency on the commodity, currency depreciation and recent elections. So this report highlights three trends that will impact doing business in Nigeria in the next 12 months. The first trend is Nigeria being on the brink of a political transformation. The second trend is called businesses should brace for looming spending cuts. And the third trend is about the security situation, which is likely going to improve, at least in some parts of the country.
0: Excellent. And before we dive into those trends, I wanted to maybe start our conversation looking first at the long term and then at the short term. And so could you take a moment to share your views on the long-term outlook for Nigeria, especially in the wake of the oil prices, and whether the uh, drop in oil prices has affected the long-term trajectory?
1: Yes, sure. So, the oil price drop has indeed affected the economy. However, before we look at its impact, um, it's important to highlight that the country remains the key opportunity market for most of our clients looking at Sub-Saharan Africa. Every quarter, we publish a frontier market sentiment index in conjunction with the Wall Street Journal, and every quarter, Nigeria remains the most watched frontier market globally. That's because the country represents a large opportunity on the back of its economic size. It has a nominal GDP of about 540 billion and a population of about 180 million people. And the economy is primarily driven by private spending from a large consumer base and ongoing economic diversification, which is attracting a lot of companies to invest in Nigeria for the long term. And The companies that have been operating in Nigeria for a while now, they know that the country has always faced sporadic periods of instability and will probably keep on facing them for the foreseeable future. It isn't just um, the dependency on oil, but also high levels of poverty, rising inequality, corruption, oil theft, governance inefficiencies, insecurity, etc. But it's important to understand that the short-term risks have so far never really derailed the country from its long-term growth outlook and trajectory.
0: Anna, before I jump to short term, I I do want to focus for a second just maybe quantifying the the long term growth. You're looking at GDP growth from 2016 to 2018 in the averaging, you know, right around 6% uh, and accelerating in the later years. Is that consistent with where it was before the oil price drop? Or have you brought that down a bit?
1: Well, no, we have brought that down a bit, especially for 2015 and um, for 2016 as well. So growth would have been stronger. We have definitely seen a contraction and growth, but it's a short-term diversion. Um, it's not necessarily going to impact the long-term growth trajectory. So I think by 2017, um, the latest growth is going to kind of reach its, its previous levels. And it's primarily because uh, the economy is very diversified, and that's what's driving growth much more so than oil.
0: So let's talk about oil, and let's talk about the short-term impact and how the price drop that uh, began in June of last year, almost a year ago, it's amazing, have affected the economy and, and your growth outlook short-term, kind of 2015.
1: So the the oil price drop has first and foremost primarily impacted government revenues and the currency. So let's look at government revenues. In 2014, total government revenues made up about 10% of GDP. And of these 10%, oil and gas accounts for about 6%, so revenues from oil and gas. So the low oil price really has a direct effect on government revenues. And in essence, this means that it will impact public spending. So that's the first impact the lower oil prices had. The second impact is that it's weakening the country's fiscal position overall. The country is going to likely run a fiscal deficit of 2.4% um, estimated for 2015, 2.4% of GDP that is. And the current account is also expected to move into deficit after recording multi-billion dollar surpluses in recent years. That means that international reserves are eroding and Nigeria will have very little buffers left should all prices fall below $55 per barrel for a sustained period of time. So the country is just going to muddle through currently, but if things get more messy, it's going to face a much more severe crisis. And some of that is already visible in the currency because the low oil price has had a direct impact on that. It has slumped by 18% since mid-June 2014, and it now stands about 198 Naira to the U.S. dollar in February, and it still currently stands at the same level because the government is still controlling that. And even though investor sentiment has strengthened recently because of the elections that were really peaceful so far, the currency is widely believed to be overvalued, and for Variety of reasons. But what's probably going to happen is that the currency is going to depreciate another 10 to 15 percent this year. So it has affected government revenues, it has affected the fiscal position and the currency. However, all of them in combination have led to a, a, a downward revision of, of GDP growth, as you just asked me about, right? So we've revised it down from 6.1%, where it stood at in, in 2014, to about an expected 4.1% in 2015. But the thing is, um, and that many people don't know, is that Nigeria's economy is, in fact, are much more diversified than commonly perceived. And that's because the diversification only really came out last year after the country recalculated its GDP. So just to give you an illustration here, oil and gas in 2010 accounted for 40% of GDP. In 2014, that's 11%. And apart from only accounting for a relatively um, a small percentage of overall GDP, we also have seen some really well strong actions coming from the outgoing government and that are going to be continued likely by the new government in response to the falling oil price so we had tightened monetary policy we had dramatic spending cuts and tax increases
0: so when I when I think about all of this, you, you've reduced the short-term GDP forecast. Is your bias to the downside, or do you feel pretty firm in your 4.1 for 2015?
1: We feel pretty strongly about this 4.1. I think it is already a conservative estimate. If you look at the other estimates out there from the World Bank and the IMF, they tend to be a little bit more in the upside. So I think 4.1 is realistic. However, at this crucial point in time, given that the new government is just going to come in everything can still happen. So I don't want to take a bet at this point.
0: Okay, fair enough. As we speak, also Nigeria is suffering from a severe fuel crisis. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on there?
1: Yes, well, fuel traders have basically stopped supplying fuel over payment disputes with the outgoing government. And on top of that, there are some traders who are taking advantage of the fact that the new president is likely going to remove fuel subsidies in the next few weeks. And all of that is driving up prices and demand and has seen banks close, as well as telecommunication operators and airlines strike to keep on operating. So we had a lot of flight cancellations going on right now and that's primarily because they can't get access to fuel. And Nigeria is highly dependent on fuel because the country has so little access to power and all economic sectors depend on it constantly to operate. They all run on generators, really. So, so it is quite a crisis at the moment. There are huge lines on, on gas stations and drivers desperate to, to kind of fuel up their cars. But this disruption is going to be a short-term disruption. And a deal has already been reached. And we expect the situation to calm down a little bit once the new government takes over and transitions into power and it kind of brings along a little bit more confidence in the market by Nigerians and by investors overall.
0: That's a good segue to talk a little bit about the political environment. Uh, the recent elections were truly groundbreaking in Nigeria's history. Could you talk a little bit about these historic elections?
1: Yes, indeed. The election win of the opposition party, APC, and, and its leader, Mohamedou Buhari, is a milestone in the country's history. And for one, that's because this is the first time that an opposition party won over a ruling party in the democratic history of the country. And secondly, we also saw a very active participation by civil society. In the election, so we had a lot of Nigerians monitoring what was going on on social media and also monitoring misbehavior. And now Nigerians have realized that their votes actually do count. And we have already seen a strengthening civil society, but we're going to see much more of that in the next coming of months and years. And as a result, we expect that Nigerians are going to be able to hold the government much more accountable. So in essence, we expect overall better quality of governance in the next few years. Thirdly, the elections are likely going to lead to the birth of multi-party democracy. The APC won because it opposed the ruling party primarily, not necessarily because it had a differentiated political agenda. So the thing is that Buhari has a lot of very strong individuals and egos in his party right now, and I seriously doubt that they're going to be happy under his rule and within the APC for a sustained period of time. So what we're going to likely see is that in the next few years, certainly ahead of the 2019 elections, there will be more political parties coming up. So it's going to, in essence, contribute to a strengthening multi-party democracy. And finally, and probably most importantly, we're going to see the beginning of a major economic and political reform process because Buhari won this election, because he has a very strong track record of tackling corruption, and also because he basically promised to improve public services of course it's not going to be easy and the expectations are extraordinarily high and too high and probably he is going to fail on, on quite a lot of things but overall coming back to the elections they were historic for these reasons that they're going to contribute to a stronger democracy and they're going to kickstart crucial reforms
0: what does all of this mean for our clients and specifically if you could think about it across sectors
1: Yes, yeah, so for one, I think companies that, that sell to consumers are going to see strengthening consumer demand because despite uh, the, the challenges that we are still seeing with the fuel situation, it's consumer confidence is strengthened. There's, a, there's like a feeling of optimism in the air that now things are going to improve because now there is a, a ruler in place who can actually sort things out. So it's probably going to, to strengthen consumer confidence, probably also business and investor confidence overall and secondly I think another another area which is going to impact companies across sectors particularly those selling to the government is the focus of, of the new government because um, the new government is really intent on delivering social services and reducing unemployment and it will encourage investment from companies that support this goal So any healthcare company that is going to come to the new government and say okay we're going to invest in this and this um, area and are going to help you provide healthcare to people in in the northern parts, for example, for Nigeria, are going to be supported. So there are really opportunities across sectors and and still in public spending, despite uh, lower government revenues as well.
0: So I'm trying to understand that comment when one of the key trends in the report is called brace for looming spending cuts. And so let's talk about kind of what that headline means and how companies are likely to be impacted on the ground from these cuts.
1: Of course. So, as I mentioned before, the low oil price primarily affects government revenue, and and public spending will be constrained. So, the new government will have to implement thoughtful cuts. It will have to reduce inefficiencies and reprioritize projects, not just on the federal level, but also on the state level. It has to do that to survive. And so, if we look at that, um, the previous government already revised its 2015 oil price assumption uh, per barrel downwards three times since the oil price began to tumble. So, The new budget has just been released, and it assumes an oil price of $53 per barrel. So that's down from 78 in October. The new government will have to be very selective about which projects it's going to actually implement. We don't know yet which sectors could be affected from cuts. However, what we don't think is that critical infrastructure projects are going to be affected because the government is likely to increase borrowing to fund these because they just need roads, they need power to function. It's the most basic of of development needs. But what we're likely going to see is a big focus on reforming the public sector, because currently, basically, the public sector eats up the majority of of recurrent spending from the government. And so we're going to see a a focus on reducing inefficiencies and tackling corruption. We're also likely going to see the consolidation of a few ministries and institutions, which is good in the long term, but in the short term, it's going to cause quite a bit of disruption because, well, suddenly you have new ministries being put together, so who's going to be responsible for actually executing on projects that are under the helmet of certain ministries? Another area um, that is going to be affected is taxes because the government is going to focus on widening the tax base, improving revenue collections through taxes, and um, we're also going to see subsidy removals, as I already alluded to, and probably also a few tax increases. So let me just summarize. I know that was a lot. We're going to see public spending cuts, reforms, and tax increases, and all of them are going to affect companies doing business in Nigeria.
0: But your, your firm belief is that consumer goods, infrastructure, healthcare should be well-positioned.
1: Well, I think there's going to be a a shift in in some healthcare projects. I think we're going to probably see um, a focus on the real important projects, not necessarily uh, the whole wish list. I think infrastructure, the big flagship projects are going to be implemented. Other smaller ones are maybe going to be on hold. A big focus will be on, on the power sector. Consumers, they are still spending. I think what we're going to see is that consumers are going to probably, whenever possible, shift to consume products that are produced locally to avoid the effect of the sharp currency depreciation. And um, but, but they're still going to be there. The informal economy is pretty strong, and that is driving consumer spending as well throughout the country. So yes and no to answer your question.
0: Okay, fair enough. Quite a lot of changes from the new government. I, I want to talk about the last trend in our remaining time, which we talk about in our research, and it focuses specifically on security and the security situation, you seem to suggest that we'll see some improvements in the security situation in Nigeria. And I guess, what's behind that thesis?
1: Well, as you know, Nigeria has now for various years suffered from a worsening security situation in the north under radical Islamist group Boko Haram. However, in recent months, we have seen the Nigerian military, in conjunction with other militaries in the region, weakened the group substantially. So they have had some successes there. On top of that, Nigeria's new ruler, Buhari, is actually a military man. He used to be an army general, and he's widely believed to be able to lead the army. The army is very disorganized. Buhari is also a Muslim from the north, and he has quite a strong support base in the Christian south. And, and, you know, the country is quite divided between the north and the south for religious, but especially for economic reasons. The south has benefited quite a lot from the economic boom, whereas in the north you have quite high levels of poverty, which have largely led to the expansion of Boko Haram because a lot of disgruntled youth have nothing to do all day long, and and they just see their peers in in the south getting wealthier. So they've joined um, the the terrorist group, causes, really, for that reason. So what we're going to see is that Buhari is going to try and create more employment in that area to kind of even out a little bit that huge wealth gap. However, what we're going to see is probably Boko Haram being weakened but not completely removed. And the group is probably going to turn much more into a guerrilla organization that will continue to carry out sporadic attacks. In recent months, it had become much more military in the way it was operating in terms of it was taking territory. So that's going to subside. And and it, it will still be there but not such an important force. However, while the situation in the north may improve, other hotbeds in the south may flare up again. Unrest could occur among, um, well, disgruntled Jonathan supporters of the previous government in the River Delta, which is actually the region where the majority of oil is coming from, because they are fearing out on losing advantages that they enjoyed under the previous government. The region is home to Nigeria's former MEND rebels, and it is already quite tense there because of the economic effects of the low oil price. So, So that's something we're going to have to watch closely.
0: Okay. I'm afraid we're up up against time. Uh, Anna, I want to thank you so much for sharing these insights and also to remind our clients that we have quite a lot of resources uh, for succeeding in Nigeria and uh, more broadly across West Africa. As a reminder, you can speak with Anna or any member of the research team at any time by scheduling via your FSG client relationship director. You can also access all of our sub-Saharan Africa research and ever-expanding leading indicator data on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. While you're there, please take a moment to check out our newly released Frontier View dashboards. These are our fully customizable online management tool. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance across your emerging markets portfolio.